Come on, come all, come gather around. Come hear tales both lost and found. Finally, show not about true crime. It's David and Michael's story time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another exciting episode of Story Time. The one that didn't go to the birthday party last night to help get more guests for our show. Well, that's David Miller. And the one who is guilting me over a totally separate thing <laughs> now live on air and stole my intro for my episode well that's michael santel stole it right out of him he was already david do you want to tell me the intro you're going to do no it's going to be the same intro it always is <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Storytime! That's, that's what I figured it was going to yeah, sound that's like. Yeah, that's I, exactly I, what it was going to I, I retract my apology, I'm glad I usurped you. David, <laughs> I am ready to be, I am ready to live some childhood traumas. Yeah. Where are our children going today? Hold on. So yes, we are going to be moving on with the next Animorphs today, book number 31, uh, The Conspiracy. Um, Ooh, I love it, the Illuminati. Yeah. Uh, before we get to that, I wanted to do a quick shout out. We got a response on, like, I think Spotify has, you can, like, leave comments or responses. Like, if we wanted to ask a question about an episode, we could. We haven't done that. But the... <laughs> in the in the book about the seven goats where they fight the wolf, <laughs> episode three, what do you think the motivations of the goat children But the were? placeholder question, I think that's... I think it's something Spotify started to do recently. So the placeholder question that's there is, like, what did you think of this episode? Okay. And we just got a response to, like, our our episode on book 27 that basically was like love these shows i always agree with santel's outbursts um but have you considered that this is set in savannah georgia which is another point for georgia you keep saying atlanta but like no savannah makes so much sense though i haven't ever been to savannah but well, yeah. we have to find one of these Spotify listeners to send us out to Savannah now. So, we already have a room to rent over in the UK. So shout out to you for sending us a little bit of interaction. Uh, listen, feel free, those of you who listen on Spotify, to just write notes <laughs> to us on individual episodes. I'd love for you to write notes to us. That's a great idea. <laughs> you should ask us if we like you and then we'll circle yes or no. Uh, <laughs> we, we will say this here. It goes without saying, if you enjoy our show, if by... Uh, by leaving reviews, however their algorithm works, it does promote our show. Yeah. So if you truly are enjoying it, please go ahead. If those Spotify results don't affect anything, ask any questions you yeah, want whatever. to, I guess. Say, say whatever you want. <laughs> okay, David. I'm okay. putting myself into the world of Savannah, Georgia. Tell well, before me about... we can do that, I, had, I told you, I warned you right oh, you before have a game. we started recording. I have a small game for you. Now, I said in a recent episode... Uh, I said that I wanted to, since we were a little over halfway through the series, I thought it'd be nice if we kind of gave you a little bit of a midterm. Fuck like you. Like, uh, you God know, these kids gotta, they, they're saving the world, they're going through trauma, but at the same time, they have to go to school and they have I to do their homework. I don't even have my other notebook with all my good notes is, in it. We're gonna have to go straight from your brain, okay? I have, I have about 20 questions for you. David, they're, that's a long fucking they're, they're quiz! Like, they're like single answer questions. They're not short, they're not essay questions, right? Um, but they are also not multiple choice. I so. don't remember anybody's <laughs> name. I don't remember any of the animals. For those of you listening at home, please keep track of your score to see how much better you do than Michael. And if you can, let us know in the interact <laughs> options what you got. <laughs> 
I'm gonna start you off with a real easy one. I, I can't believe you didn't do six questions. I can't. I can't believe you didn't. You couldn't just be like. A I, little, I like started a quiz. thinking of questions, and I thought of a bunch. We've we've had we've had thirty something books so far. <laughs> sure, thirty okay. fucking like seven books so far in this goddamn series so i'll test you i love it i love the idea we get to hold the other person accountable i can't yeah. wait to ask you questions yeah. here we go so i'm gonna start with a real easy one how long can you be in morph before you are stuck two hours two hours is correct number Let one is a ding you got so your voice got so basic i know I, I had to grab my pen so that i could keep track for you um, all right, that's that's one point. If you said two hours, now you said that so quickly. If you are at home, uh, give and I'll tell you now, Santel, give yourself a couple seconds after I ask you the question, so that people at home may also try to answer. If you are at home and need more time, pause it real quick and They're then think of your answer. Copying me, yeah, pause it, okay? I'm not stopping for anybody, okay? I got my own grades to worry about. Okay, we're gonna go along with um, that answer you just gave me. Uh, what is it called when you are a person stuck in morph? What is the Andalite word for that? My answer is a Nothlet. Nothlet is correct. Well done. I don't like you any keep of track this. of your. Own I don't. Score. I don't like any of this, David. I am keeping track of it. I don't like okay. this game. Those are the two. I asked them out of order because I wrote them like later down in my list, but I wanted to put some easy ones up front. So now we're gonna go in order. All right. Ugh. So some of these are gonna be a little trickier. Who is Esplin nine four double six. He's the uh, he's the robot that uh, is the shepherd for the dogs. <laughs> that is incorrect. That is the Yerk name for Visser three. Although, if you at home also said that it is Visser three's younger twin brother Yerk, technically you're correct. Technically, I, I should have said who is Esplin nine four double six Prime. Okay, see, 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 so it was a bad, it was a badly written answer. Okay, so no, no points for that one. Got it. <laughs> uh, what is Esplin nine four double six's host's name? Uh, so this is we're talking about Visser 3's host name, but if you want to give his younger brother's name as well, yeah, that's yeah, fine yeah, too. it was Brian and Craig. <laughs> <laughs> War Prince Alaran Semiter Koras. Yeah, yeah, I have these all written down uh, although, on my pages. If you're thinking about the younger brother, Yerk, you could have said Joe Bob Fenister. I was so close! <laughs> Where does someone's mass go when they morph something small? Z space. Z space or zero space is correct. Which of the anamorphs? Oh my god, my cat starts yelling. Which, <laughs> Cat's coming to the rescue so I can Google some of this shit. Which of the Anamorphs has so far died twice? Uh, Rachel. <gasps> Incorrect. Jake, Jake has died twice. Man, Once when they were in the, the jungle first, and he had to the... kill himself to reset the timeline. And then once when they were back in the Revolutionary War. I couldn't remember the first time. I Jake came to mind and I was like, no, it can't be Jake. Mm -hmm. Okay, it was Jake. It was Jake. Who has the rattlesnake morph? One of our characters has a rattlesnake. Uh, Tobias? It is Axe. Axe <sighs> has the rattlesnake. <sighs> uh, I don't even remember where he got it. It was in the classroom and they were fighting the bad kid, right? He got it kids. just in the meadow. In okay. the meadow out in his field, and then he used it to bite War Prince Alaran Samitor Koras and almost kill Visser Three. In the uh, meadow. In the meadow. Uh, 
what morph were they all in when their mass in Z space was hit by a passing Andalite ship? They were dolphins? Ah! They were mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. They had a lot inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is worth possible up to two points. This is a, an answer for each point. Okay. Can you name both of Rachel's sisters? Oh, fuck no. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, one's name is Bridget, and the other one's name is Bethany. Jordan and Sarah. Oh, such 90s names. I even okay. know a Jordan and a Sarah. In the David trilogy, this is another one worth two points. There are two okay. answers. David had essentially two unique morphs that were kind of his battle slash bird morphs. What were those morphs? He had a bald eagle. Ah! No. <laughs> he had a golden eagle. And the other one was like a wolf. And the other one was a lion. Ah! This one, there are two. This is only worth one point, but there's two. Technically, you can kind of go with it both ways. Um, either... So there is an Andalite law that forbids them from sharing technology from with other species, right? Either, what is that law called, or who is it named after? Fuck, it's the it's like the gift of the Magi, but his name is... <laughs> it's the Prince Dude. It's the Prince Dude. What the fuck? Uh, it's like Elfangor's Curse, the gift of Elfangor. It is. Um, it is. It is. The name of the person is... Prince, Prince. Aloran. Prince Ciro, uh, and the law is called Ciro's Kindness. That's what it was. And it's named after when he gave space travel to the Yerks. Okay. Ah! I love getting these. I love getting these answers wrong. I'm gonna get an this F is, on this. This is way. gonna be fun for so many of our listeners. And fuck uh, you. What is the blue box actually called? Oh, it's called an M1 M1 Mac Pro. <laughs> ah! It is the Escafil device. The Escafil. It is what allows them to have the morphing power. I wrote a negative one. I'm at negative 15 right now. Uh, you, know, you don't get minus points for getting them wrong. You just don't yeah, you get, get minus. You get minus points. I'm going to have a minus right. score. You're keeping track of your score in a very weird way. And I have not been keeping track of your points for you. So I've only gotten three right. Great. Well, that's perfect. Uh, how many known vissers are there according to the Andalites? There are 27. 43. God damn it. And then there's also the Council of 13, but I didn't ask you about that. Oh, see, that's what I thought. That's what I was thinking. I doubled it. <laughs> okay, you should hopefully get this one. What Elamist. Is, what is Visser 3's flagship called? Uh, the Santa Maria. Oh my god. <laughs> It is the blade ship. <laughs> the blade. I thought that's just what it was. I didn't know that's what its name was. That's what he calls it. It's the, it's the blade ship. It's what okay. We found out in one book that a particular flavor of oatmeal drives Yerks insane. What flavor is that? Apple cinnamon. It was maple Strop. and ginger. Ugh, the maple worst. and ginger. Yeah, that's two points I missed, though, for the no, maple that's, that's and one the ginger. Point. That, it, is a one, it is one flavor. Okay. So we affectionately call somewhere Legoland. What is that place actually called? Carlsbad, California. <laughs> it is the Escort Homeworld. That's Thank what you so it much was. for taking this seriously. The Escort uh, Homeworld. What is the Elemist's enemy called? Uh, the Bogert. <laughs> the Krayak. The Krayak. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, That's another negative now point. Now this David. one. This one you may remember from when we watched episodes of the show. 
Oh, what? well, I've, I've, I've blocked most of that out already. What is Jake's dog's name? Uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh! It's Homer. Homer. Because I, I said it's like the odyssey that they're going to go yeah, on. Yeah. All right. A couple more questions. Oh, I do have a two. bonus question. There's two more questions. I oh, there's a, a bonus, bonus question bonus I get wrong. Oh, I'm so excited to get it wrong. Uh, what is Tobias's mom's name? Uh, Carol. Oh! Lauren. 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 We found that out in the Andalite Chronicles. Uh, what is Axe's favorite food? Uh, Cinnabon. Cinnabon is correct. You get a point. Thank you. Uh, and then finally, as a bonus point, so this you can get score up to let's even say seven, up to seven <laughs> points here. Sure. For each of our main characters, main yeah. animorphs, not counting David. Okay. What are each of their battle morphs that they usually morph when a fight is coming? And and if you can. Whose morph is it? Fuck you. Gorilla, Tiger, um, uh, Tobias is himself. Sure. Which is what? Uh, Red Tail Hawk. Okay. Uh, Rachel is the bear. Okay. Cat, uh, Marcos is the gorilla. Yes. Jake is a... It's either Jake or, or Cassie. So you, you've already said Jake's. So you just didn't say it was Jake. Okay, that one I said is Jake's then. Uh, it, was, it was the tiger. Jake's okay. was the tiger. Cassie is the wolf? Correct. Yes. You have Axe a name. Uh-huh. is himself. Correct. And Andalite. Yep. So that's six. Okay. I, I have a seventh and point possible because Rachel has an alternate that sometimes instead of bear, The elephant. The baby. Correct. She turns into the correct. elephant. Yes. Fuck that is, yeah. that Plus is all seven. seven points. That is all seven all right, that was our that was our quiz. Go ahead and tally up your points at home. Uh, there's like with those seven, there's like thirty or thirty-two possible. I don't even know how many. There's possible. twenty. There was seven bonus points. I got a respectable failing score of eleven out of twenty. <laughs> with that seven, <laughs> but because yeah. I got a plus seven, that's the all of it. I well, got and, and two of the points, two of the, the twenty questions were two points each. So actually, it's twenty-two. You got eleven out of twenty-two points. Uh, I mean, that's even worse than that. 50%. It's, it's, it's no, it's, it's less than that. Yeah, but to be fair though, I'm happy that I've retained at least fifty percent of that. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. I was, I was, I, I knew that you weren't gonna get a lot of these. Go fuck yourself, David. But as you're doing that, let's get into today's story yeah, so I can go. forget it. Here we go. So today we are doing book 31, The Conspiracy. Uh, I'll show you the cover again. It is Jake on the cover turning into his bird, the Peregrine Falcon. Uh, here's my predictions for you. Uh, we're going to go to the mall for a little bit. Our kids haven't gone to any, like science centers i feel like when i was a kid once a year we were always going to the science center mm -hmm. uh so we're gonna go to a science center uh there will be a bike chase where somebody's on a bike getting chased okay and uh uh Somebody makes a discovery in the animal morph they're like oh these worms are delicious something like that okay great oh boy here we go uh, so last time, we dealt with Marco's mom being back and this whole big plan trying to pit the Vistras against each other. Marco She's a almost traitor amongst her. the mist. 
Yeah, so so that was a whole big, heavy time having to do with one of our characters' families. Now, last time in that episode, we talked. you said something about Jake's brother, Tom, and I told you to put a pin in that for this week. So you here said we go. put a pin inside of Tom because it'll make him scream. It'll make him squeal, yeah. All right, so the intro on this one is a pretty standard one. My name is Jake. I can't tell you my last name. We're fighting a war. We drink a lot of sweet tea down here in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> he puts emphasis that it's like they're literally fighting a war. Like, you keep calling them child soldiers. And he is essentially telling us that here. Yeah, somebody um, last night at that birthday party that you didn't go to was asking me what I thought about the children. And they are continually, every day, traumatized by their lives and these events. Yeah. Uh, he even says, I was saved. Tom was not. Tom, his brother. But it stays with me, that memory. It always will. So will the battles. Win, lose, or draw. They're chaotic clashes full of pain and rage. And when the fighting is over and adrenaline drains away, you're left exhausted and sick with way too many memories. Now, is Jake aware that in the television show that his brother spends most of his day standing in a closet at a wall? Does he know about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it makes Jake think about his great-grandpa, who he calls Grandpa G. Grandpa G was also an anamorph who fought in World War II. Oh, they might have. They might have saw him on the beach. He remembers visiting uh, Grandpa G's lake house when he was like a, a younger kid, like eight or so. Let's see, where was it? Um, I was about to leave when Grandpa G said, "You know, I see myself in you, Jake. You've got an old soul." And the soul, soul of his grandfather lives in Jake? <laughs> what was that supposed to be, good or bad? He never said. He just gave a small, kind of sad smile and looked back out over the lake. I hadn't known what he'd meant then or why he'd said it. I don't know. Maybe he saw my future somehow because now I was old. You see too much pain and destruction. You get old inside. It's one of the byproducts of war. I'm the unofficial leader of the Animorphs. I send us into battle and when things go wrong, when we get hurt or have to run for our lives, that's on me too. I'm not complaining. It has to be done, you know? Someone has to make the calls. A good leader has to make tough, informed decisions, recognize his soldier's special strengths, and use, use them accordingly. Fight to win with the knowledge that he may die trying. But most important, a leader won't ask anyone to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. And that one came home to haunt me. Because in three days, my brother Tom was either going to kill or be killed. And Ooh. it was up to me to decide. Oh, okay. Well, he's not going to let him be killed, so that's going to be a fun moral dilemma. <laughs> I feel so bad for these old kids. They're real so, old kids. So Jake comes home from school one day and sees a cab, like a taxi cab, outside of his house. And he's like, who fucking uses taxis around here? Everybody in these suburbs has a car. Sure. And he sees his mom come outside with a big suitcase, and she's crying. She's getting a divorce! <laughs> Uh, he's like, and immediately he thinks like, oh my God, has something happened to Tom or to my dad? Or to Grandpa G. Or to, well, okay, well, now you say that, it turns out she left a note for him on the fridge because she was leaving so suddenly and has to go, but she caught him, so, so Grandpa G has died. Oh no, Grandpa Glaucoma died? His heart gave out while he was spreading jam on his toast. Is that what happened? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> they thought it was a knife fight because there was so much jelly everywhere. <laughs> he was found by his housekeeper. He died. Didn't even get to eat the toast. Didn't even get the toast. She tells Jake that Jake will be coming out to join her as soon as dad gets his work stuff figured out, work schedule and all that like sure. worked out in this short notice. But she's got to go. She's got a flight that leaves in an hour and traffic is terrible. So she's got to go. Where does right Grandpa now. G live? 
Um, I'll tell you later there because they're gonna the the plan is for the rest of the family to drive out there to meet her. But it's about an eight hour drive from them. Oh, it's gotta be Florida, right? It's gotta be Georgia to Florida. If they're on that side, if it's if, if they're on... over in San Diego, then it could still just be like oh up still in California, just yeah, somewhere in like San Francisco or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, where somewhere there's a cabin. Mm, wherever cabin. grandpa's cabin on the lake is, right? That's or where on the bayou, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so Jake goes inside. Uh, he does see a little note on the fridge that his mom had put. Along with it, there's another note underneath that has like the flight info and stuff like that. And if he was a normal kid, this might have been, I don't know what Jake's experience with death is like. So maybe yeah. he has or hasn't. At this point though... The fact that Grandpa died of natural causes, even though it was during a violent jam incident, I'm sure Jake is like, this is the best possible time for Grandpa to die. Because everyone else is getting fucking worms stuck in their ears. Yeah, although if you remember, part of Jake's family has died in the book before. His cousin, him and Rachel's cousin, Sadler, was hit by a... Car oh, or a he was van. yeah, he was a sad boy. Yeah, that's and then David was like that was all during the David trilogy, and David like morphed him and was it was all awful. He that was a was piece awful. of shit. Yeah, yeah. God, I hate David. So, so Tom and Jake's dad, Tom and their dad, um, uh, burst in through the door and are arguing. Tom is pissed and does not want to go to the cabin for the funeral. Yeah, he doesn't know where he's supposed to get Cadrona raise. This is a very problematic trip to go on. You have already put your finger on the problem here, Jake, because Jake is like, what? So? Like, I don't get it. And then um, Tom is like, no, I made promises to the sharing. I can't go, but Dad is not having it. And then Jake figures yeah, it out. Dad is saying, bro, your grandfather going fucking to your died. Funeral. You're going yeah, yeah. to the funeral. Yeah, so Jake then figures it out. They're supposed to leave on Saturday, and they'll be gone until at least Tuesday. That's too many days! He's going to get the jitters! Yeah. Yerks will starve at best after three days without Candronas. So, Jake sees a look in Tom's eyes like he's about to attack his dad. Like, like straight up, he's like, Jake is like, I couldn't morph, but I, you can... When you've been in enough battles like I have, you can sense that adrenaline surge before something kicks off. Hardened veteran World War II little Jakey boy knows when the shit's about to pop he off. Rolled, he rolled a sense motive and he rolled a natural 20 on that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, Dad is like, it's settled. And then go, I was like, I'm going to go take a shower and then I'm going to order a pizza. That's the last I want to hear of it. And then he leaves. Uh, Tom kind of blows off Jake. Jake is, like, trying to play the brother of, like, hey, maybe you'll figure it out or, like, whatever. And Tom was like, shut the fuck up. And, like, you know, like, whatever. Everybody's upset. Jake's upset. Brother's upset. Dad missed sex night. He's upset. Everyone's (laughs) upset. So Jake leaves to go to Marco's. He, like, takes off out of his house. And he says he's automatically going to Marco's. He wishes he could talk to Cassie. But he knows that she and her parents are gone to, like, some vet seminar thing for the rest of the night or whatever. So Marco it is. Uh, but oh, Marco, I, I wonder if she, I didn't guess, I wonder if she comes back with a, I wonder if like um, a white, a, 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 an arctic fox comes and well, saves everybody and it's like, guess what I got guys? That'd be fun. Um, uh, so as he starts heading towards Marco's house though, he sees Marco is already coming up the street towards his house. Like, he runs the corner, and, oh, there's Marco. Oh, and no, Marco's did like, oh, his Grandpa already... G also die? <laughs> Marco's like, oh, I was already coming over. Um, and he does tell Marco that his grandpa died and stuff like that. Um, he and... instantly, starts mor- he instantly starts morphing into a gorilla. We gotta start... go after him. <laughs> they start backtracking back towards Jake's house. Okay. And Jake is kind of explaining what just happened. And then as they come around the corner, Jake sees that his dad's car is not there anymore. And Jake gets a really bad feeling. 
then, now, what are the what is the crime statistics in the town? How often do these Grand Theft Autos happen? <laughs> Marco then says, you left them alone. So the book says, you left them alone, Marco says. Not an accusation, no blame, just fact. Like I said, Marco sees the line that goes from A to B. He had already seen Tom's dilemma, and then he'd seen Tom's ruthless solution. So, Jake runs in the house being like, oh, fuck. And no one is in there. It is totally empty. Not even the pizza, not even the smell he, of misty air? No, he can't find any trace of, like, nothing indicating where they might have gone or whatever. So a filthy father has been kidnapped by his filthy son. So he gets really frustrated and he, like, hits the fridge. He's like, God damn it! And he, like, hits the fridge. And the magnet that was holding the note from Jake's mom earlier fell off the fridge and the note kind of clatters to the floor but then he's like wait there were two notes but the second note isn't there anymore so he looks in the trash can and he sees a note crumpled up in the trash can and when he uncrumples it it's the note that his mom had written before of like her plane itinerary and stuff like that but then underneath in her in his dad's handwriting is a second note on there that says uh jake went to a sharing meeting with tom to explain why he can't help them out this weekend be back soon. Oh, Love no. Dad. Dad's going to become a controller. So they realized that Tom had thrown away the note to cover his tracks after they left. Uh, and Jake starts freaking the fuck out. Because he doesn't have money we for gotta, the pizza. We got to save my dad. My They're about to turn my dad into a controller. You know, right. all that. Marco crumples the note back up and puts it back in the trash can, making the point like, hey, we got to cover our tracks. We can't let Tom know we know about this. Right. Right. And they're, they're kind of like thinking about like, what do we do? How do we, I don't even know where to go. Where would this meeting be? All of that kind of stuff. The chi, I said suddenly. I reached for the phone. Marco pushed the receiver back down. Not from the house, man. Look, Jake, Jake, listen to me. You're the boss, Jake. You're the fearless leader, but not right now, okay? You're too messed up over this. Let me call the plays. He knew, uh, I knew he was right. I said nothing. I hated Marco right then. Hated him because he wouldn't have made the mistake I'd made. He would have seen. Hated him because he had already lost his mother and he knew what the inside of my head was like because he knew I was scared and just wanted to cry. He's now being the G, but then Marco stepped up and he's the G. Now remember at the end of the last episode when Marco was about to push his own mom off a cliff, Jake pinned him down as a tiger and basically took that choice away from him, right? She ended up falling off the cliff anyway. Right. So, you know, but now Marco didn't have that on his conscience. Um, So they go outside and they go to a payphone down the way um, to call Eric the Cheat. C-A-L-L-A-T-T. Right down the middle. Eric does not know of any scheduled sharing meetings. So it's like maybe he, maybe Tom called an emergency meeting to deal with this. And they're like, well, great. I don't know where the fuck that would be. So Eric gets an idea because Jake's dad has a cell phone. So if Jake calls that cell phone and Eric piggybacks on this call and then analyzes audio input from the other end, he can maybe narrow down where this call is coming I hear from. a bird specimen. There must Literally, be near yes. the woods because there's birds everywhere. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, also, Jake can say nothing on this call. Marco makes very clear, like, you can't call your dad, ask him where he is, and then the Animorphs come and break up a meeting. Like, the Yerks are way too smart for that. That's it's too, it's too. It's too one-to-one. They'll yeah, figure it out. It'll completely, it'll directly tie this event to you, Jake, right? 
So he calls Dad's phone, and Tom answers. And Jake is about to say something, and Marco straight up grabs the phone out of his hand and just holds it to his own ear and listens. And then after a while, puts it back down. Um, and uh, Jake is starting to lose it. He tells us, the audience, that he's like... He's he feels no control, and that's like a big deal. Does it him. take you out of the book when he turns to the audience when he looks straight into the camera? Does it take <laughs> yeah, you out no, of the moment? No, it's great. It helps you. It brings you in. Even okay, he's, it's he's, just like Shakespeare. Okay, yeah. Um, so he then calls Eric back, and they have narrowed it to f- about four possible locations. <laughs> we got to get the team together. Where are the four locations? A senior center, an auto body shop, a mini mall, or a hardware store. Oh boy, those are all great locations for a secret meeting. I'm going to say it was option number three at the mini mall. You would be correct. And the reason they they sort of, because they heard one snippet, Eric heard one small snippet of conversation on the phone, and it was just the phrase, normal hours. And yeah, so he's and, like, and, okay. Well, that could have been the shot, but no it one said. It could have been a lot of them. But nobody said, you go fucking do it. So that doesn't sound like the garage. Marco rules out the auto body shop or the hardware store because there 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 would have been more noise in the background if it was either Clanking of, of metal and running of saws. So they're like, it's the senior center or it's the mini mall. And Eric is like, well, the mini mall has four shops, so I'd play the odds and go there. Right. Very right? rarely do the old people ask what the hours are. Well, it's just like if you know, there's if you have then at that point you have five possible locations: the four shops at the mini mall or the senior center. You can knock four of them off the list with one <laughs> sure, trip. Sure. Right. Okay. So, um, uh, they start morphing Bird to fly to the mini mall. Um, and tells Eric to call the others and have them go to the senior center, just in case. Um, now, we've seen that senior center in the television show, correct? That was the place one of the sharing meetings was happening <laughs> at that one rec room yeah, in yeah. Canada? Yeah. Uh, Marco began to say something, but his words were cut short as his mouth and nose melted and stiffened and extended into the wicked, curved beak of an osprey. My talons sprouted, grew curved and sharp. I'll meet you there, I said. No, wait. Marco, I'm faster than you are. He hesitated. Yeah, okay, but Jake... What? I snapped. I expected him to say, don't do anything stupid. But instead he said, you're not alone, man. So Jake gets to the mini mall first. He isn't sure which store, but he sees a bunch of cars in the parking lot, including his dad's car. Okay, that's okay. a good sign. So he's somewhere inside. So yeah. So Marco lands after him as Jake is morphing. Morph, Jake morphs to human and then is starting to morph to tiger. Marco lands and is like, no, no. Like, we can't go barging in in battle morph. Like, that's too obvious. Um, uh, and they kind of have a stare down over it. Jake is like, I'm going. And Marco's like, then I'll have to stop you. Right. And they kind of have a moment. And then Marco's like, what we need is a distraction. Okay. Is this when a gorilla goes and plays in the fountain? No buts, Jake, he said. You know me. You know I've worked it out. I ha- uh, he starts um, morphing gorilla at that point, Marco does. And he said, I-, I hesitated, frustrated and not used to being the-, the one taking orders, but I couldn't deny that he was right. I was losing my clear thinking, and that was dangerous. Surrendering, I concentrated on the falcon morph. Because he, he tells Jake to get into the sky to like just be the lookout, essentially. Marco finished his massive muscled gorilla morph and waited, standing guard until I was done. Okay, I said. Tick-tock, Marco. Well, Rachel's not here, so I guess it's up to me, Marco said, knuckle-galloping his way around the front of the mini-mall. Let's do it. 
He stepped into the parking lot. I flew watching from above. My father and my brother were close by, one predator, the other prey, both in different ways in mortal danger. And if they were to be saved, it was up to Marco, not to me. Now, is this the same mini mall from the TV show that has the cafe in it? There's those one weird stairs. <laughs> no, I don't think so. There's the no. one really good guard there. He's really good at his job. He is very good. He's um, so good at his job. <laughs> uh, so Marco goes car to car in the parking lot as a gorilla. And he lifts it up from the back and then just, boom, drops it. Yeah. So so, so 25 car alarms car just yep. go, bah, bah, yeah, just right down the line. He then walks up to a car that they both recognize as Vice Principal Chapman's car. Breaks and the windshield. And to not to make that one. Yeah, he straight up punches <laughs> the window out. <laughs> he then pounds his fist on the top of Jake's dad's hood. Um, and then sort of lumbers back around the building into the shadows. Okay? Right. You have to hit all the cars. That way they're like, well, this car didn't get touched. Yeah. Uh, people come out and start freaking out about their cars. Jake sees Tom trying to keep getting his dad to come back inside. Um, like, Dad, come on. Like, we can deal with this later. There's important stuff happening tonight. You got to come back in here. We got to talk. And Jake's dad is like, fuck that. Someone just tried to break into all these cars. My car is fucked up. I got to go call our insurance guy. I'm going home. And Jake's dad leaves. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know what's happened to Jake's dad since then. I don't know if this is okay or not okay. Jake figures that this is that he's, he's still okay because Tom was so adamantly trying to get him to come back inside. Great. If he was already a controller, then they would have been already talking about other stuff. Jake right? did such a good job. He protected his dad's holes. Um, but Jake knows that that was only round one. Basically... Tom is going to do other stuff to try to affect this or get out of this trip, right? Right. So um, they he sneaks out that night for a barn meeting. Everybody is concerned about the situation. And Rachel is straight up mad at the risk that they took. By going um, to the mall and being a the gorilla. And doing all this without them. Um, and she even, like, she had gotten the call from Eric and she was out shopping at the mall. So she put all of her stuff, like, in Not the mini mall, the regular the mall. The regular mall. The good she, mall. She put all the stuff that she had bought in, like, one of those lockers, but in her haste to go help, forgot to lock it. And then by the time she got back, all of her shit was stolen. Oh, so she no. is just, like, straight up mad about everything right She's now. She's having a rough day. Um, they figure that the options for the Yerks are one, to try and infest his dad, which so far has failed. Two, to withdraw the Yerk from Tom, because otherwise he wouldn't go through. But then have to kill Tom to keep Tom quiet. Right, or right, and they feel or, bad about killing Yerks anyway. Or three, uh, to kill Jake's dad, and Tom would probably be the one to do that. Oh, boy. Okay, right? bad options all around. Yeah, so those are what they figure the Yerks will do. Those are the three things they'll try to do. They decide the only thing to do at this point is surveillance. They have to keep 24-7 eyes on Jake's dad and protect him. Um, Ooh, it's going to be watch. He's going to be going through a lot of rough stuff. His dad just died. It's his. It's Jake's mom's dad that died. All right, well, he, he's distraught. Which Not is, as much which, as distraught, but he's still Which distraught. is why also, because at some point, Axe is like, Rachel, aren't you going to be going to Jake's family's thing? And she's like, oh, no. It's, it's the other side of I'm the I'm related through Jake's dad, and it's his grandpa on the mom's side. Um, Probably why yeah. she's more upset about all the stuff going on with his dad. That's right. blood. Right. Uh, so, um, Jake calls himself out of school the next day um, after Tom leaves in the morning and waits for his dad to like get ready for work. He morphs Cockroach in the dining room, which he admits is very dangerous to do. 
But as a cockroach, you can't travel very far, and he needs to be, like, ready. Because he's trying to hitch a ride with his dad to his dad's work so he can keep tabs on him all day. Cowabunga, let's do it! Uh, He waits for dad to walk by, uh, going to hide in the cuff of his pants. But dad drops a jar of preserves. Fucking jelly, man. Just like grandpa! Just like grandpa! (laughs) On accident, which makes him notice a cockroach on the ground. And he's like, ooh, gross! And he's like, oh, and he starts trying to stomp on it. So Jake, also being slowed by jelly, has to, like, escape (laughs) from the jelly. But Jake essentially, like, climbs onto his shoe and up into his pant leg, like, between his sock and his pant leg. Yeah. um, And, like, hides there until Jake's dad is like, where to go? Whatever. Fuck it. I gotta go. Cleans up the jelly and then leaves for work. Um, They get to work and Tobias and Axe are watching the car as birds at that point. They're, like, in the air. Um, and they're in the parking structure. Axe and Tobias spot some guy with a big beard who seems very upset and is, like, watching Jake's dad as he gets out of his car and leaves to the elevator, like, really intensely. Is this, like, a Santa Claus? Like a mall Uh, Santa? No, just, like, a sort of disheveled guy, but with a beard. Okay, so he works as Santa in the the fall, but right now it's summer. (laughs) Um, Jake's dad goes into his office, and Jake basically spends the day watching as a roach while going to the bathroom and demorphing in one of the stalls in the bathroom. Um, uh, he watches him do his shit. His dad's a doctor. He's like a, a I think a pediatrician even because he's treating kids all day with like ear infections and shit. Um, he's got to be careful not to get sick. He's really got to wash his hands. <laughs> Uh, basically, he's just like he's just like oh, it was a it was a really long day. I had too much time to myself just to think about it, um, and also like I had always known my dad was a good guy, but like watching him just be a doctor all day was like man, my dad's a really good dude. Like yes, he saw you know? he actually got to see how he interacts with uh, real people. Yeah, he's a good person yeah. because he was a good person. He did his work well, and he knew uh, and he knew how as well as he knew how, and he wasn't a jerk to the people around him. That doesn't make you a saint or anything, but I guess when I think about it, that's what I hope I'll do when I'm older. Treat my family right, do my job well, not be a jerk to the people I meet. Maybe that's not a huge ambitious goal, but it would be enough for me. I've done the hero thing. You can have the hero thing. Me, I wanted a day when all I'd have to do was be a decent human being. Um, That's what the Buddha said, right? Just be a decent human being and don't be a jerk to people. (laughs) So they're going back to the car. Jake is, again, riding as a cockroach. Um, Back to his car. The bearded man is in the parking garage and waiting for him by the elevator and starts like following his dad pretty closely as he's walking to his car. Ooh, is it the Um, other grandpa who's mad that he doesn't get enough calls? Axe asks for orders and is like, what do I do, Prince Jake? Like, should I intervene? Should I do something? And Jake straight up freezes up. He doesn't know what to do for a second and gives no orders. And then Jake is like, fuck it, I'm going to try something and crawls up his dad's back. So he's like, He's like, am I facing the guy that's following him? And they're like, yeah. So he flies. He jumps as a cockroach and spreads his wings and flies straight into the guy's face. And, like, lands on his lip. And the guy's like, what? And, like, flips out. And Jake gets, like, flipped up onto his hair. And then Tobias swoops down. It's like, okay, I guess we're going. And swoops down and, like grabs him so the guy's like trying to def- like figure out this bug on his face and try to a bird is like swooping down sure tobias grabs what ends up being the man's toupee oh no that jake is in and all of this like so is going nuts jake's dad turns around and notices turns out this guy 
is not a controller. He is a guy who is just mad that Jake's dad parked in that parking spot. Even though they are not reserved spots, it this is the spot that this This bald piece guy... of shit has been following him since the mini mall? No, no, since he got to work today. Got it, okay. Uh, but it's just like, it's the spot this guy usually parks in, and so he's all pissed about it. Um, but what it looks like is that a bug just flew into his face, and then a bird tried to get the bug and ended up grabbing his toupee. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? Yes. Like, that's what it looks like. Um, they, they, they get home, essentially, they, and they leave uh, feeling exhausted. Basically, Jake is like, this waiting game sucks. Like, we spent the whole day, now we're really tired and stressed, and nothing even happened. Like, now we're still waiting for the shoe to drop, right? Um, so they go home, it's like afternoon time. Um, and he He's a doctor, his... he makes his own hours. Uh, he beats his dad inside because... Um, uh, he had called out sick today, so he has to like be in there and sick, right? So he gets in there. Tom comes in. It's time for dinner. After Tom goes to his room, like after dinner, uh, his dad is like, "Great, well, I'm gonna go water the lawn one last time before we leave." Uh, Pack for this your trip. shit. Yeah. Um, and Jake goes to his room and looks out the window and sees Tobias flying on watch, even though he had told Tobias to go home and get some rest. Yeah, Tobias is on. He's on his R and R. So he morphs Bird, and he goes up and joins him, and they kind of have a little conversation. Oh, uh, Jake's kind of like, oh, hey, how's it going? And Tobias gives a very Tobias answer of like, oh, it's really hard to get catch thermals right now. You know, the lift <laughs> sucks around here right now. And sure, sure, sure. Jake is like, that's such a Tobias answer. Right. Um, but then Tobias spots a big car, like a four-door car, coming up the road down a ways, and he's like, oh my god, that's Chapman. I thought it was, but I couldn't see with the glare and the light. That's Chapman driving the car. Because there's and a big there's... hole in the roof? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, just, it's a different car. But then okay. there's another person in the passenger seat, and that person has a gun. Ooh. Like a straight-up regular gun. Just a regular gun. So Jake dives to the backside of his roof because there's no time to like go inside and demorph and do all this stuff. So he goes to the roof and starts demorphing and starts like slipping down the roof as he's demorphing. And Tobias is like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, this is a bad idea, but I've got your back anyway, which is also a very Tobias thing to say of like, just this is dance. stupid, but I got your back. You and know? he's a bird boy. He's just going to yeah. fly away to the bird. He's just going to fly away to the boonies. So he's starting to slip off the roof right towards a window where Tom is standing on the phone. Talking to gr mom or Grandpa G? Uh, talking, I would presume, and we will find out in a moment, to other yurks. Oh, okay, to say, come, so get, Jake, come to this Jake place. Jake catches himself on the, um, the, the gutter and then like kind of drops himself down to the, um, the yard when Tom isn't looking. But can hear Tom literally saying, like, yeah, now is perfect. He's standing right out front. Take him out. Take him, take him. Yeah. So... Jake drops to the ground and runs around to the front really quick, and, and like the car is like 20 seconds from in front of the house. Runs out to the front and is like, oh, hey, Dad, here, let me do that for you. And Dad's like, oh, great. What a nice thing for a son to do. I guess I'll go start packing, and starts walking inside. But the car gets there while Dad is still walking inside, and Jake sees the window lower and sees the guy with the gun getting ready. So Jake quote-unquote, accidentally sprays the car with the hose. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. And, ah! it's like, and it's like, oops, sorry. And then takes him in and goes, oh, hey, Mr. Chapman, or Vice Principal Chapman, at which point What are you like, doing in my neighborhood at with which a point gun? The, the car is just like, and like drives away, right? Um, so Jake is like, oh, my God, that was way too close. Um, 
He Jake feels like he's someone is watching him. He looks up and he sees Tom watching from the window of the house, and he looks pissed. Now, does Tom think that he his brother knows what's going on, or he's pissed just because his no, dumb his dumb human brother is fucking just around. came out and fucked up that thing? Okay, yeah. yeah. And then Jake says, uh, he would have killed me too. He would have had my dad gunned down, and if I had gotten in the way, and that wasn't the worst of it. Worse was knowing that my brother Tom, my true brother, had been trapped inside his own mind, trapped watching as the killers prepared to murder his family. And Helpless, all- watching, and unable to open his own mouth to shout a warning. I was clenching the hose so tightly the water was petering out, but I couldn't relax the muscles. I just couldn't. I don't know how this war will turn out. I don't know if we'll win or lose or even somehow compromise and make peace. But I know one thing. I will kill the yerk who has done this to my brother. Yeah, his his brother is a... You know, like uh, trapped in a brick wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a like a Edgar Allan Poe story. Real all cask of, of Amontillado going on in yeah. here. Yeah, and also Tom. Okay, I guess they don't know about Jake, but Tom is aware then of Andalites and all the other nonsense because Absolutely. of all of these things happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't think he's super high up in the Yurk organization. Like, right. Chapman is a more important Yurk than Tom. Right. Right? As far as their hierarchy goes or whatever. But, yeah, he's absolutely a soldier in the war, right? So, they have a meeting at the barn. Axe and Rachel are left watching Jake's house while this meeting is happening. So, they aren't there. Everyone is really mad at Jake. That it came so close. Marco and Cassie especially. And that they're he mad, like came so close to getting shot. Right. And they're mad at Jake because if any of them would have done this, Jake would have had work, like would have, st- would have, would have pulled been them like, aside. That's too dangerous. It Absolutely. Would have, they would be grounded. He would yeah. like take their wings, right? He'd be like, give me your badge and your gun, but it's yeah, Jake. They, yeah. And basically they're like, you're not making the right calls, man. Like th- this isn't okay. And uh, yeah. So then Marco says... You need to back off, on, back off on this. You can't make this call. Not about your brother. You made it when it was your mom, I said. Marco shrugged. Yeah, well, that's me. If it's any comfort to you, I'd like myself more if I was like you. But the question here is, how far do we go to protect your father? And who is going to make that decision? I'm the leader of this group, I said. Marco hesitated. He bit his lip. And then drawing a deep breath, he said, we need a vote. Yeah, and it's it's all fun and games for you to be the leader until you start doing shitty stuff, and then all of a sudden we need to go back to our democracy. Right. And and when Jake is like, well, you made the call when it was your mom, Marco's like, yeah, but I'm obviously, I'm ruthless. Like, I was about to push her off a cliff, right? Like, like I could handle that situation. We know you can't. Right. Right? Um, so they figure that Axe would not vote in this vote because he would say it was a human issue that they should decide. And if anything, he would just go with whatever Prince Jake says, but he wouldn't vote either way. And Jake is like, well, Rachel would vote with me. And Marco's like, you're right. She would. So it's up to Tobias and Cassie. Okay. And they both kind of sit there silently for a while and, and like will not make eye contact with Jake. (laughs) And then Tobias finally speaks up and he has three points. Basically... One, writing off a human life as not worth saving is a very Yerk-like thing to do, and it doesn't sit right with him. Right. Two, if Yerks don't kill Jake's dad, but they infest him instead, it would be even harder for all of us in the future, knowing Jake has two controllers in his house that are able Just to put this together. Just even more difficult. Three, staying on the defensive and waiting for the Yerks to make a move is very much the wrong plan and not working. Yep. Yep, right? for sure. So, Tobias says... 
So, why don't we get off the defensive? Do something. Something big that'll distract their attention away from Jake's father until he and Tom and Jake can leave for the cabin tomorrow. Marco hesitated. He knew the vote had gone against him, and at worst he had Cassie on his side. That was two against three, leaving Axe out. Finally, Marco nodded. Okay, go on the offensive. He tried a semblance of his usual humor. I always wanted to die kicking and screaming. He stepped towards me and held out his hand. Nothing personal, Jake. I was just looking out for the group. I left his hand hanging in midair, and after a while he withdrew it. So what's the plan, Cassie said, trying to break the hostility of the moment. Maybe we could think about... Marco, Marco began... I have a plan, I said. Now, when Jake says that, he did not actually have a plan. <laughs> but he says, sometimes necessity like that breeds innovation, essentially, because he immediately thought of a plan. Okay. 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 That's fine. But it's like, like he, he just, he, Marco was about to say something, and Jake was like so mad at Marco. He's like, no, I'm going to come up with the plan. Okay. Uh, the plan, he says, is let's kidnap Chapman. Jeez and that is the response that the group basically has. <laughs> okay. He, he even says Tobias like laughs at first like he's joking and then groans when he realizes he isn't. Right. Um, but Marco does admit that it would definitely force the Yerks to prioritize their current efforts and like what they need to do because Chapman is a more important Yerk than Tom. And if they can only save one, they'll save Chapman, right? So they meet up with Axe and Rachel to like go over the plan. Uh, they leave Tobias and Cassie watching Jake's house, uh, and Jake says he would have left Marco doing it, but he didn't want uh, he didn't want it to seem like he was avoiding having Marco around because quote I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 not buds right now. They are mad at each other. That's okay. That happens. Uh, so the other four leave to go um, to Chapman's house, and across the street from Chapman's house is a vacant house that is for sale. Cool. Get inside. Cool. So they they morph in the bushes. Of that house that are kind of overgrown, so there's a lot of space for them to sort of morph out of sight um, into bear, gorilla, rhino. Jake is the rhino, and um, axe morphs human, but most of the way, so that his features in his human morph are like kind of distorted, so that in the future he won't be recognized in his human morph. This sure sounds like a home invasion to me. So, <laughs> axe. And Marco crossed the street to Chapman's house. Marco is the gorilla. And Marco hides kind of like next to the door, like to the side of the door. Are they going to ding-dong ditch? Axe knocks on the door. Chapman answers. And Axe is like, hey, is Melissa home? Chapman's daughter, Rachel's I remember her from the sharing. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, At the old folks home home with Grandpa G. She was already there. (laughs) Is Melissa home? I have a question about a school assignment, basically. He... Plays with the mouth sounds a little bit as he says it, but Chapman is basically like, Ugh, I'll go get her. Sure, kids, right? sure, like, dumb you know. fucking kids. So he goes out, and then and then Melissa comes to the door, and as soon as Melissa comes to the door, Marco steps forward as a gorilla and grabs her, puts his hand over her mouth, pulls her into the bushes, and ties her up. Just like, a, just like an old-timey cartoon. <laughs> basically, like, she doesn't need to see or hear or be involved in whatever is happening. Sure, now, and she will be forever the, traumatized yeah. by this event. <laughs> while standing at the door waiting for Melissa to get there, Axe was reporting to, back to Jacob, like, hey, okay, here's the layout of, like, where I think a Draken beam is probably pointing at the door and where I think that, you know, like that kind of thing. So as soon as Melissa gets grabbed... Is, is Chapman holding a Draken beam on the other side of the door? No, 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 no. Okay, the, Chapman, okay. They're just in the house, like, right? Okay. Like, but so Marco grabs Melissa, brings her to the bushes, and as soon as that happens, Jake is like, let's go. And Rachel and Jake, as a bear and a rhino, charge across the street, and Jake just plows the door down, 
Drake and Beam starts like automated Drake and Beam starts shooting at him, which just like hits a fuck, him, just like but Donkey he's a Kong, fucking rhino, just so like fucking fine. Donkey Kong. Yeah. He busts through the fucking door. Okay, so he knocks over the thing where the Drake and Beam is and stomps on it, but then Mrs. Chapman comes out of the kitchen holding a Drake and Beam and fucking shoots Jake in the head. Mrs. Chapman's also a controller. We knew that from book two. I know, but she's packing heat. Yeah. So Jake gets shot in the head and like actually is very hurt from that and is like, oh, I think the rhino might be dying, but is like kind of going on pure rage at this point. Sure. Um, Axe leaps over now full Andalite again and like knocks her out. Um, and then Chat- Mr. Chapman is like running up the stairs and Axe is like, we got to go chase him. And Jake is like, give him a second to be able to call for help and then we'll go chase him. So they mm-hmm. give him like 10 seconds. And then Axe goes up the stairs while Rachel and uh, Jake go through the house and out the back. Marco goes around the house. um, And Chapman jumps down into the yard with a regular handgun. And Point Blake shoots Marco a few times. (laughs) Jeez Louise! Uh, And then also shoots Jake, like, in the neck. Of course! Jake knocks him over as a rhino and is literally, like, so rage-fueled right now that he's about to kill him. He's like charging to kill him and marco or or axe i think or rachel is like don't we need them alive like stop what you're doing right and before jake can kill him he collapses because the rhino is dying yeah the rhino okay okay axe comes over and knocks out chapman how do they get jake they gotta get jake out of there so he can demorph so jake does start demorphing um they're like in the backyard um, oh yeah, as Jake demorphs to the sound of tied-up Melissa screaming for her parents in the <laughs> right. Um, Marco shows up as the gorilla and picks up unconscious Chapman, and Jake is like, "Hey, are you okay?" And Marco, very tersely, very matter-of-factly, kind of ticked off, is like, "Yeah, I demorphed and remorphed. Good to go. Let's just do this." And like grabs Chapman. They take him across the street to the vacant house, and Jake is like, "We're gonna hold him where no one would expect." Literally 200 yards from his front door, <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is just like, this is just like some, uh, like, like FBI or something like that. Or, uh, what was it? Uh, Invincible where they're in the house across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is crazy. So they tie him up and blindfold him. And while unconscious, they make sure that like, Hey, no, he can't hear any human voices while he's like tied up here. Um, they wake him up and then Axe has to play the part of the interrogator slash torturer and convince him that he's fucked. They should all find a dead kid and acquire the dead kid and just be, like, six versions of... You can't uh, acquire a dead thing. I know, but, like, let's say they had David, David piece of shit. They could all turn into David and then be David. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, so Axe is playing the role of interrogator and... Does he start putting bamboo shoots up there, up his fingernails? Axe moved forward, hoofs clopping on the bare wooden floors, circling Chapman on purpose, and letting him hear that his interrogator was an Andalite. So, Yerk, he sneered imperiously, now you are mine. Chapman started to tremble. He whimpered, soft and low. I didn't look at Rachel. She didn't look at me. Neither of us was thrilled about this. We had to make Chapman think he was being interrogated by an Andalite warrior. We had to make him think that he would be tortured. Moments earlier, I would have killed him. Even now, I felt no pity for him, but that didn't change the fact that we were trying to terrify another living, sentient creature. If you're the kind of person who gets off on that, you need help. I was... I was... I was asking a lot of Axe, too much, but he was determined to play the role. I will keep you here, you know, Axe said, changing tactics and using a silken, deadly thought-speak voice. Candrona starvation, Yerk. 
It is a terrible way to die. How long since you visited the Yerk Pool? How many days, how many hours do you have before the terrible need begins to... I had seen and heard enough. I jerked my head towards the door. Rachel and Marco followed me. Marco demorphed as he went. Axe's words had conjured up a dark, miserable picture in my mind. The death he had falsely promised Chapman was the one my brother Tom was going to suffer, because the yerk in his head would be cut off from Candrona Rays. Jake, Rachel whispered once we were outside. I shook my head. Couldn't answer. I headed for home, past the crowd of neighbors and cops and emergency vehicles that had clustered around the Chapman home. So far, the plan had worked. Axe would continue to interrogate Chapman, maybe get rough with him. This is what I, would, I, I had led us to. Marco nearly killed. Melissa Chapman terrorized. And Axe left to spin tales of horror for a helpless captive. Marco wouldn't need to take another vote. I was done being the leader. Oof. Is this where... I, I wonder if this will... I understand in this moment, like, he can't make these decisions, but I wonder if this moving forward, if someone else gets given the the um, the uh, leadership matrix out of uh, Optimus Prime's chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the matrix of leadership. Yeah. Good old Rodimus Prime. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, in this case, it would be Optimus Primal, but that's fine. Well, technically, it goes to Ultra Magnus, and then... Hot Rod. Hot Rod gets it later and yeah. becomes Rodimus Prime. Anyway, uh, uh, Jake cannot sleep that night. Um, he checks his house, like, around 3.30 a.m. Tom is not in his room. He figures he's probably out looking for Chapman. The, sure. Uh, the, the alert probably got sent out. Tobias is keeping watch outside in uh, a tree. And in the morning, Tom sneaks back into his, into his room, and Jake is like, okay, time to go check on Chapman, I guess, and flies to the vacant house. Mm-hmm. When he gets there... Uh, Everything going okay, Axe? I asked from outside the house. Yes, Prince Jake, Axe replied. I was careful to walk directly over the glass from the broken window, making it crunch very loudly. I believe the controller will use the glass to sever his bonds once I have left. Good, I said. No, Prince Jake, nothing about this is good, Axe snapped. This is not behavior suitable to a warrior. I will not do this again. Understood, Axe, I said. The human daughter of this controller has walked through the neighborhood crying for her father. I have heard her, as I have heard the terror of this controller. I will gladly fight this controller and even in fair battle kill him, but I am not a torturer. I had never heard Axe this mad, never even close. It's my fault, Axe, my responsibility. You only did what I asked you to do as your prince. This is on me. No, my actions are my actions and my responsibility, he said, but his anger had softened a little. I am sorry to have expressed anger. Axe man, you are entitled, I said wearily. He didn't say anything for a while, and I sat, miserable and ashamed, in the tree. I must play out the charade, Axe said wearily. Yeah. Uh, I sat there, fluffing my feathers against the morning chill, watching as the first early commuters headed for their cars, slung their briefcases and laptops in the back seat, and headed off for work. A normal day in a normal American suburb, except that across the street, a girl cried for a father she'd long ago lost without knowing it, and here, a creature, part man and part yerk, was threatened with a painful death. Um... Axe then leaves after, like, one more little torture speech of, like, we're going to let you starve to death. If you don't say anything, I'm fucking leaving. I'm going to cut you, bitch. Uh, Chapman would escape. We had left the broken glass there deliberately. Chapman believed we were all Andalites. He would think we were too unfamiliar with the human world to know that glass can cut. And he will will return to his people a hero, Axe said. This will become an oft-repeated and much-celebrated chapter in York history. My name will become legend, synonymous with ineptitude, a brutal fool of an Andalite. Axe, I wouldn't have asked you to do it if it wasn't so important. Axe looked at me, fierce hawk eyes glittering. Important to you, Jake, or to the war effort? Mm. 
Also, that is one of the only times I've ever heard Axe call him Jake and not Prince Jake. Right. Uh, uh, I didn't answer him. I wanted to believe it was important to both, but my weary brain couldn't even form the words to convince myself, much less him. Axe flew back to his woods, muttering something about cleansing rituals. Oof. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jake then goes home to relieve Tobias, who's watching his house and his dad, and uh, uh, tells him, okay, well, we're leaving at, like, noon for the funeral and stuff. So I'll meet all of you guys at the barn at 9 to go over, like, final plans. And Tobias is like, okay, and leaves. What Jake hadn't told him is that they were not leaving at noon. They were leaving in just a couple hours and... By the time they all figured out that Jake had blown off the meeting, they would already be gone because Jake, well, yeah, he, he, uh, where is it? We were leaving for Grandpa G's in two hours. By the time the others realized I wasn't going to meet them at the barn, we'd be long gone. I was done using my friends on this mission. I was tired of Marco's doubts and Axe's honor and even Cassie's wary sympathy. This was my family, my brother the killer, my father the target, and me the fool in the middle. Just the three of us. If my brother Tom, in a desperate latch-ditch attempt to save himself, tried to kill my father, then I would morph. And the last thing my brother would see was me, his brother, his unknown enemy, rear up and destroy him with all the ruthless, savage power that was mine to command. I had told myself that I would do whatever had to be done, and I would. Suddenly, I needed to talk to Cassie, and maybe, when it was all over, I would. So, it's an eight-hour drive to the cabin, where Jake basically sits quietly and just has to, like, is in his head the whole time. He finally falls asleep for, like, half the ride or whatever, but essentially, they get there. Um, uh, they meet up with the rest of his family. They're all kind of talking about Grandpa and reminiscing about Grandpa, um, everybody sort of relaxes, except Jake, who's just like, I wasn't relaxed. I just had to sit there waiting, back on the defensive now, waiting for a move to be made so that I can respond to it, right? Right. Um, so they're hanging around inside where Tom and Jake are, like, sleeping in these, like, bunks. And Jake finds Grandpa's old army footlocker that he had, like, showed the both of them when they were younger. Now, do all armies have a footlocker? Why do they need all the sports equipment, David? Yeah, it's a, it's a corporate deal. Okay, okay, uh, that makes sense. Uh, you know, the military-industrial complex? I do know about it! <laughs> they gotta have good cleats for the Army versus Navy game. That's right, whatever. that's right. Yeah. They play with the pigskins. Um, so they find this footlocker, and they're kind of looking through it, looking at medals and pictures and stuff like that. Um, and Tom finds an old Nazi SS dagger that his grandpa had, like, taken off of a guy he killed. Yeah, grandpa murdered somebody and took a fun little trinket of the war. (laughs) Um, there is a tense moment where Jake is trying to get Tom to put it back. Like, because Tom is like, oh, cool, I'll hold on to this. And Jake is like, no, we're supposed to leave everything in here, right? Like, that kind of stuff. Um, They also have a moment or a little conversation about, like, duty and honor versus doing what you need to do to win in a war. One's like, I think Call of Duty's better. He's like, no, Medal of Honor's a better game. Uh, uh, so they put everything away in the locker and they get in bunks and they go to bed. Jake has a dream of being in the Battle of the Bulge and being all cold and all that shit and getting stabbed by the Nazi knife by one of his fellow soldiers in the foxhole next to him. Mm, Poor, there's way too much Nazi talk in these books for my liking. Uh, he wakes up. It's still the middle of the night. He looks over and Tom's bunk is empty. He gets a pit in his stomach. He opens the footlocker to find that the dagger is also missing. He's going to go kill his dad. He's going to go kill his dad. He checks. He creeps out into the living room where other people are sleeping. There's the pullout bed like that the couch was where yeah. Jake's mom and dad were sleeping. Jake's mom is in the bed. Jake's dad is not. Where are they? 
So he creeps outside and he hears faint voices and he looks over towards the lake and he sees Tom and Jake's dad sitting at the edge of the dock with their like feet in the water talking. And he, and like he sees Jake's dad kind of like give him a little hug, you know, like a side hug kind of thing. Seems like they're reconciling. Like maybe Tom had woken him up to like, hey, can I talk to you? I want to apologize for the outburst earlier and that kind of stuff. But when, when Jake sees his dad kind of give him a side hug, it like bunches up Tom's sweater in the back and he sees the dagger like the Nazi his, knife. Yeah. Um, and, and Tom starts to like reach for the dagger and he's like slowly starting to pull the dagger out. So Jake is like starting to morph tiger because he's like, fuck, fuck, I got to stop this. But the, the dagger is in Tom's hand and Jake is still way too far away to do anything. He's not finished morphing yet. Look to the sky, a hot cry, Tobias comes dead flying down. A huge crack sound is heard, and the entire dock that they are sitting on tilts and then crumbles into the lake. Uh, and then Jake's dad, who is a good swimmer, Jake says, so it's very weird that it's like this, seems to keep like coming up to the surface and then kind of getting pulled under. And then he comes up again, but he's in a different spot, almost as if something is sort of pulling him through the water away from Tom. Right, right. A hammerhead right. shark is doing it. Uh, Jake spots a fin briefly and is like, a shark in the lake? He's like, no, 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 that's not a shark fin. That's a dolphin's fin. Yeah. Uh, the dolphin hits Tom in the back and knocks him out, and he is floating face down in the lake. Um, Jake freezes for a second and is like, I don't know what to do, and then suddenly gets a, a, um, a message in his head, a thought speak message that says, Jake, demorph, you're out in the open. So he starts demorphing, and then Tom's... Uh, unconscious body starts like skimming along the surface of the water as if being pulled very hard very quickly through the right. water over to like the edge of the lake where Jake runs over and pulls him out uh, of the lake and his leg is all fucked up like really fucked up broken and twisted in all these weird sure. places and yeah um, Jake stays with Tom whose body is like going into shock basically until help arrives in the form of a medevac helicopter they're in the middle of nowhere. They got yep. There's no roads up there. Yep. Uh, and then and then uh, it kind of cuts forward to like an hour later or whatever. Jake's dad gets the news. Uh, Tom was medevaced all the way to a hospital back home because the break was so complex that they have the best equipment there to deal with it and the best drone arrays for you as well. And that and that also is Jake is like, well, of course, being there, then he'll be fine and not starve. Right. Right. Um, after things die down a little bit, he kind of has a sweet moment with his dad where his dad was like, Hey, you saved your brother. I was so scared out there tonight. I would, I don't want to lose either of you. Like, I love you. Like all that kind of stuff. Um, um, and Jake is like, I'm going to head out for air real quick, you know, uh, as the rest of the family is like making themselves coffee and trying to kind of calm down after all the hubbub. Um, Plus, Grandpa G built that dock with his own hands. They've lost another family heirloom. Uh, he does. I think it's Jake's dad is like, I'm going to call whoever built that dock and give him the what for. I think he says, I'm going to read him the riot act, you know, like that kind of. Uh, and Grandpa's Nazi knife is missing. Uh, yes. Uh, will I will <laughs> tell you what happened with that. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, so he goes outside and, and like, kind of sits there for a while and then um, gets a thought speak message, like, hey, we're over here, Jake. And it's Tobias. Uh, and he, he goes over to, like, a little clump of trees, like, kind of out of the way, and the rest of the Animorphs are there. But Marco is not there. So it's everybody but Marco is, like, kind of there waiting for Jake. 
Um, says, I walked over there and met them in the shadows. Without my asking, they told me how they'd done it. How Tobias had kept endless watch and sounded the alarm when Tom and my father exited the cabin. How Cassie had quickly morphed to whale and struggled through the shallow, nerve-wracking 20 feet of water to ram the dock, praying she wouldn't get beached before she got there. How Rachel and Axe had morphed into dolphins, ran Tom, broken his leg, and dragged my father to safety. I wanted to say a lot, like how they'd saved my family and my sanity. Thanks, I said. Hey, don't mention it, Rachel said flippily. We needed a vacation anyway. Where's Marco, I said. Cassie shrugged. He didn't know if you'd want to see him right away. Thought you might need some time to calm down or whatever. Come on out, Marco. He stepped into view from behind a tree. He looked very, uh, he looked a little leery, which, given the way I'd treated him, was not surprising. Hey, Big Jake. Marco, this had to be your plan. Pretty much. Yeah, well, good plan. Thanks. I couldn't have done it without the chi, Marco said, shrugging like it was nothing. They're the ones who piloted the medevac helicopter and insisted on taking Tom back home. Without then, we all, all we would have had was a kid with a busted leg out in the middle of the woods. Tom's back home, alive. My dad's alive. Crisis passed. I should, I should have thought of it myself. Tom injured had the perfect excuse for not coming on this trip. I should have seen that. Margo shrugged. Yeah, well... I was too close to it, I said. You were right. I was too close to see things clearly. Marco didn't argue. He didn't gloat either. I guess we each have our strengths and weaknesses. Marco's strength is the ability to see the way to the goal, even when it means disregarding consequences and feelings and basic right and wrong. He had seen the solution when I missed it. I took Marco's arm and drew him away from the others, where they wouldn't hear. You're my best friend, Marco. If you ever, uh, if you ever again tell me I'm losing it, getting too involved, can't lead, you'll kick my butt, he interrupted with a grin. No, I'll listen. I'll listen, and then I'll kick your butt. He laughed. I laughed. What can I say? Marco and I have been friends forever. We started to join the others. Marco, what? This whole plan worked because Tom came outside and made himself vulnerable. What would have happened if he hadn't? Marco didn't look at me. You had to keep me from blowing it, all, blowing it at all costs, I pressed. You had to preserve the security of the group and keep me alive. Those are your top priorities. He nodded. So what if you hadn't been in time? What if Tom had managed to kill my father? It was pretty clear after I thought about it, it that if Tom killed your father, you'd lose it. Like a chess game. Tom takes your father, you take Tom. You'd have gone after Tom, exposing yourself and us. Game over. So we couldn't let that happen. Your dad had to survive for you to survive. The one expendable piece was Tom. But if anything was going to happen to Tom, it would have to look natural. Not like an Animorph had been involved and not like you had been involved. It would have to be done very carefully. So if it came down to that... No, I said softly. I shook my head. I didn't want to know. You know what Mar Marco and I used to talk about? Whether Batman could beat Spider-Man. Whether Sega was better than Nintendo. And now, what are we anymore, Marco? What has happened to us? He didn't answer. I didn't expect him to. We both knew what had happened. I'd better get back inside, I said. Yeah, and we need to head home. I went back in towards the cabin. Yeah, so then they have Grandpa, uh, Grandpa G's funeral. Jake finally understands what Grandpa meant years ago when he told Jake he had an old soul. Basically, he's like... When my war ends, if I'm still alive, I won't want to talk much about it either. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, right. I don't. And then, and then we do get the the last bit. Tom had dropped the Nazi dagger in the water when he'd been knocked off the pier. I guess it had sank to the bottom of the lake. I could have retrieved it, probably, but I didn't. I had Grandpa G's medals in my pocket. My grandmother had given them to me. She said Grandpa G wanted me to have them. I'd always known he was a hero in the war. He had medals and all. And I'd wondered why he didn't put them up in a display case, showing them off for all the world to see. But I was a little wiser now. Medals aren't so simple for the people who earned them. Every time Grandpa G had looked at those medals, he'd thought about the things that had happened, the things he'd seen others do, and the things he'd done himself. 
I know he was proud of being brave and proud of doing the best for his country, but I also know why the medals were in a pouch, in a footlocker, in the attic, kept far out of sight. Maybe there'll be medals for those who fought in the war against the Yerks. I'll need to buy myself a footlocker. The end. Yeah, you tell me these stories are fun. This is not a fun story. Now, I want everyone to know, I'm not saying this is a bad story. I'm saying all of these, like, little adventures, like, oh, no, this thing. It's always a terrible thing on top of yep. another terrible thing with even more consequences attached to it. Yep, yep, um, yep. Okay, well... I'm so happy we're back at status quo now that we fucking traumatized Melissa to the battle as well. Sure have. All right, let's go to my lessons. Let's do it. Lessons. Old kids have it tough. Just like those old kids in Akira, if you are an old kid, you're an old person, plus you're a tiny person, it's a difficult life. Like Detective Conan. That's exactly right. Uh, I wrote, when you're toast, you're toast. Listen, you, <laughs> death waits for us all. There's nothing you can do, David. When it's time, it's time. Yeah. Maybe uh, you could be so lucky to be having toast when you become toast. That's very true. I wrote, God, I hate David. Just every time you bring him up, it just triggers me again. I get it, yeah. Uh, I wrote, read body language like mm. you're listening to all of these cues look at what somebody's doing if they look like they're gonna stab you they might be trying to stab you <laughs> solid advice uh grand theft auto is no business for you if you can hear my voice get out of the car stealing business it's a tough life the cops are gonna come after you. your neighbors are gonna hate you you get out of there what was that? Was that from when they were just fucking up cars in the parking lot? I just said, I don't know. I talked about Grand Theft Auto. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, the government is tracking all of our phone calls. Listen, sure. I know that you think like, oh, this is a private phone call. No, no, no. If you use the internet, they know exactly what you're talking about or where you are at all times. Uh-huh. Uh, don't look into the camera. We're filming this scene, okay? Look at the other people. Don't look at us. <laughs> what are you talking? Uh, I wrote the lesson, why do we say no butts, no coconuts? I don't understand the connection to the butts and the coconuts. Well, what's the full phrase? No butts, no, no butts, something, something, no coconuts. I just don't understand why it's a thing. The lesson I learned is I don't know why people say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to look up the phrase. It's like no, no, is it like, like no must, no fuss, no coconuts, something like that? I don't know. Like, I remember butts in it. I don't understand what's the connection to the mut, to the butts and the must to the you coconuts. You might just have a wrong phrase. I don't even think Maybe, that's maybe. Uh, I wrote, if you're going to prank somebody, you have to prank everybody so that they don't think that you were the person doing the oh, pranks. Oh, I see. No, yeah, right? Uh, like, yeah. if you're going to go to the other people in the drama club's house and uh, duct tape hot dogs to their house, you then also have to claim that you had a hot dog duct taped on your, your house. house. Yeah. That way yeah. they all think that somebody hit us all with hot dogs. Sure, yeah. Uh, I said, you gotta protect your holes. You gotta just, if you're vulnerable, you just gotta know what's gonna come into them at any time, okay? Keep those holes protected. <laughs> uh, I wrote, you gotta lock your shit up. You gotta make sure your shit's locked up or people will come mess with it. We had a, a bag in the backyard for donation. Homeless man came and took the pillows. Now, nobody wanted those pillows, but if we had locked sure. those pillows up, somebody could have got those pillows. 
I guess they're being used by someone who could use pillows. Yeah, and I'm happy that they have the pillows. Uh, I wrote, I learned the lesson, don't kill your parents. Listen. That's good. Yeah, there's a, that's there's, generally There's other a good things one. you could do. The last book did not have that lesson. The last book was like, if you can, try to kill your mom. Uh-huh. Uh, I wrote, blood is thicker than Kool-Aid. You gotta stick with family. Uh, sure. I wrote, jelly is a great trap. You could slip on it. It's sticky. If you were like, who is It'll the robber? It'll attract bugs or bears. Yes. Yeah. If you were like, okay, one of these people broke into my house. If one person's covered with jelly because you have a jelly trap, you are very yeah. clearly going to know who they are. Remember that time you got caught in my jelly trap? Yes, it was crazy. Well, that's why I wrote the lesson, watch out for your holes. I had jelly everywhere. Uh, I wrote... Stay away. Satan. No. As, as an adult. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. I don't know what the word is. What? Yeah. No. It's chicken scratch, everybody. I apologize. It had something to do with adults. Something to do with adults? Yeah. I said, don't jerk on people. Don't be a jerk to people. Don't jerk on them. Leave them alone. Be a stand-up citizen. Yeah. Okay. I said, when birds are around, don't look up with your mouth open. You don't want to know what's going to happen. Mm, mm-hmm. I wrote the lesson that uh, <laughs> it's either Jen <laughs> is crazy or something is crazy. We should really keep tabs on them. Fuck. What? What was that? <laughs> David, these are garbage lessons today. Uh, I wrote, yes, and your friends. Yeah. I said, I learned the lesson, don't freak out in a moving vehicle. There's a lot of things going on. Just wait till you reach your destination. <laughs> uh, I wrote, if you're emotionally compromised, you need to find somebody to make the right call. If it's not yes. going to be you, you got to find somebody else. That was the lesson that like Rachel and Marco talked about at the end of last book. Mm-hmm. When he's like, Rachel, what do you do when you have a tough choice? And she's like, I hope somebody comes and takes the choice away from me. I learned the lesson that a best that the best defense is a good offense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. I learned the lesson from you. Sometimes you just got to follow your feet. Just start, make a choice, and just see it through. Yeah. I wrote two wrongs don't make a right, which this book was filled with bad choices left and sure. right, and it just made more bad choices. Yep, yep, yep. I learned the lesson. Kids just do weird things. You know what I mean? They just do dumb fucking things sometimes. It's so weird. Yeah, but, like, what dumb thing did they do? I don't know, but kids just do dumb things, and you're like, why I mean, did you do that? They have unfunctioning brains. I can't argue brains. with you there, yeah. Uh, I said, gun violence only brings on more gun violence. Listen, once we start escalating to a knife, to a dock, it's all just going to lead to ruin. Uh, I wrote, hand-mouth noises are so funny. You know when a baby, and you're like, wah, 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 and it's just all really funny stuff. It's just a lesson I learned from today's episode. Uh, from the book, the book calls it out, but I want to hit it home right here. If you're getting off on hurting people, you should really talk to a medical professional, okay? If yeah. you're hurting animals or something, you should really talk to somebody. Yeah. I wrote, torturers have feelings too. Listen, I know you can't see underneath their black mask, but they are crying on the inside, okay? Sure was, yeah. I, I wrote, be careful with war trinkets. Uh, you know, sometimes they, you know, are pointy or explode or have ancient blood on them. Just be careful with them. Yeah. I wrote, listen to your friends. Sometimes it's difficult because you're going through something. You should listen to your friends. They might have a leg up. They want the best for you. 
Uh, I wrote, uh, keep your Nazi heirlooms in a secret place, also referring to the lock it up note that I gave earlier on. Yep, you just yep. really got to keep track of that stuff. You don't want it falling into the wrong hands. Yeah, or or having a, 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 what is it? a news article written about how you have a bunch of statues and napkins with Nazi logos on That's them. That's right. That's right. Now, again, David has symbols of peace in his room, but it could be mistaken. <laughs> and then lastly, I wrote, when you go swimming in lakes, be careful. There could be knives at the bottom of them. Sharp, <laughs> jaggedy knives. You don't know. You should do a once-over on the bottom, dredge it up before you keep going in that lake because you never sure. know what Nazi things might be down there yeah nazis are everywhere uh this was not a fun story the way that no, you it presented wasn't. it to me earlier but i do appreciate how we see the complicatedness of kids lives like grandpa dying and you having to go to a funeral isn't a big deal but that how everything gets escalated upwards um mm-hmm. and i also liked there was a line when Jake was given like the three different like it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. Yeah. Um that just consistently, there's never good choices. Like even the choices that they choose, like we go back to the stalemate. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the stalemate's not a good stalemate. Like, it doesn't feel like it it, 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 it it's the stalemate, but it's also like we've talked I talked about like trauma to children. Now another person has been traumatized. Every time Melissa goes to the front door, she's gonna shudder because yeah. one time a gorilla tied her up and put her into a fucking yeah. bush. Yeah, and there was a point in this book when I think it was Rachel was like, This sucks because no matter what we do, like we don't win in this. All we can do is try to get back to neutral. Which right? feels very this is where it's lines like that that make me know that an adult is writing this book to like really like, hey, this is more than you think you can handle. Yeah, uh, yeah. David, this was more than I could handle. What story are you going to tell me next time that'll be too much for me to handle? Next time is book 32 called The Separation. Ooh. And I will show you the cover. The Separation sounds like the difference of the sharing. Oh, it's a beach episode! It is Rachel turning into a starfish. Uh, the she looks crazy. All the starfish have yeah, the poses look absolutely insane. 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 Yeah. It looks ins- like a, the second one looks like a cone head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the, <laughs> let me see the inside picture. Oh yeah. Is it going to give too much away? No. It's just a, yeah, a beach with, with a starfish beach. on it. Yeah. Ooh, and a ring or something like that. Yeah. It looks like an earring, I think, to me. Listen, I'm glad that a beach episode is happening. I didn't have to guess that this time. I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, I don't think we've had a Rachel book in a while. No, not there a bit. Go. There's a Rachel book. Well, David, I appreciate you traumatizing me. I'm glad that I now have these images. I will also struggle to sleep just like Grandpa G was struggling to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you, David. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> We're halfway through, and I am more Over. convinced now, more than ever, that this ends in the whole world ending in World War Three. I okay. don't feel. I feel like this is gonna like you sp- think this won't be a secret war for. No, I think this is going to spill out, and I don't know if they're going to be. I, I think someone within our government, knowing that this is the '90s, is a Men in Black. I think they're going to run into a Mulder and a Scully who. Mm. I don't know why they will tell them that they're the that they're fighting this war, but I think they're going to find out that the government knows more than they think because this isn't going to be just about their parents anymore. Like the scope of all of this is so much bigger than just this small town in Savannah, aka Atlanta, aka San Diego. So there was, I 
that whole mission during the David trilogy was all about the world leaders were getting together, right, at that resort, right? Right. The president, the premier of Russia, the, all these different world leaders, and they had to, like, save while dealing with all the David shit, too. Well, listen, I'm also done with dealing with David shit, so we'll see it. all you kids and cats next time. <laughs> I have tales for you. We have guests in the wing. Yep. needs to know when we're available, so I'll start texting all three of us very soon. Okay. Uh, the one wearing a very smart blue shirt today with some sort of nerd shirt underneath it. Well, that's David Miller. And the one who looks like a well-read lumberjack. Well, that's Michael <laughs> Santel. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. We'll see all you kids and cats next time. Okay, okay bye. bye. That's our show. Thanks for coming round. Don't be sad. No need to frown. We'll have more stories. Don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all. And we'll see you in a bit. As long as the KBs keep going up and don't go backwards or repeat each other, everything is fine. Gotta get your KBs. Gotta get my KBs. They'll turn into MBs in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yet, though. They're still just KBs.